why do we need SOPs? And more importantly, what happens to a company when you don't have SOPs in place? It's really important to have SOPs because um, as processes get more complicated, you need to have that outlined. You need to have that, whether it's, you know, not just bringing on new employees and training them, but also just making sure that you're delivering the same quality time and time again. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be-successful entrepreneur help you build an eight-figure agency by documenting our successes and our failures. And if you're watching this on video, you probably noticed that it looks a little bit different today because A, Gary's not here, and B, I have a setup. So finally, I have a little bit of a better setup, and I'm not constantly moving around. But uh, I am joined by Caitlin. And I'm really excited for today's episode. I'll, I'll let Caitlin introduce herself, but for some context, if you're here, like it's really good to be here because this episode is going to be very valuable on the tactical side of building SOPs. So Caitlin, why don't you go ahead and take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Caitlin. Um, I'm actually an operations manager over at SMC National. So I do work with Gary. And in that role, basically what I'm overseeing is the uh, entire onboarding process for our new clients. And with that comes a lot of workflows and what we're talking about today, a lot of SOPs as well. Awesome. Now, th this is going to be super valuable. So Caitlin told me on before the call, she was like, you're not going to believe this, but Apparently, we're your number one podcast in Spotify Wrapped, Eight Figure Agency Show. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I yeah, my Spotify Wrapped <laughs> came through, um, Eight Figure Agency was number one. I actually sent it over to Gary, and the reason for that, honestly, is you know not just because I work with Gary, but I actually take this podcast really to heart. And what it's done is it's kind of had me focus on my division at SMC and treating it like its own mini agency. So I found a lot of the information helpful, not just at an agency level, but actually at you know a division level, or even you can take it further at a department level. No, that's awesome. I, I couldn't believe it when you said that. I was so stoked to hear that. But today, diving into this, you know, being a long-time listener, right, we talk about SOPs often. But the problem with Gary and I is we aren't able to get into the technical weeds of it. I suck at it. Gary admits he's not the best at it either. Obviously, you know, when, when it's really important that we actually do build SOPs, both of us will sit down and do it, but we both hate it. We like being the vision, the, hey, like guide this, and we just kind of want the SOPs to fall into place. So this is like a really integral part of building and scaling any company or any agency. So let me ask you this, why do we need SOPs? And more importantly, what happens to a company when you don't have SOPs in place? Yeah, for sure. And first of all, I want to say that you guys are not alone. Um, it's very hard pressed to find someone that actually likes writing SOPs. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't, even though I'm pretty good at it. But uh, with that being said, I think it's really important to have SOPs because um, as processes get more complicated, you need to have that outlined. You need to have that, whether it's you know not just bringing on new employees and training them, but also just making sure that you're delivering the same quality time and time again, no matter what the process is, and that no steps are missed. Because no matter how easy you might think something is, the easiest things are actually what get missed the most. Mm. So true. It's the little things, right? I've actually had a conversation about this with a couple of people in the last week and, and the little things really add up because when you scale and you grow and, and you kind of lose track of those little things, they compound, they kind of snowball over themselves. So, so let me ask you this kind of the second part of the question, right? What happens when you don't have SOPs in place? When you don't have SOPs in place, um, kind of like I said before, like you're not going to be delivering that same quality time and time again. But hey, this is a big topic right now, especially in today's climate, but employee churn. So if you don't have those SOPs and all of that is living within your employees, 
they walk out the door and they're taking those processes with them. Now you have to start from the ground up and you have to bring someone in into a, a messy environment where you don't know what, how to tell them what they're doing. You don't have the expectations set. They can help you build it up again. But then what happens when they leave if you're still not implementing those SOPs? Got it. Sounds like what you're alluding to is an SOP on how to build SOPs. <laughs> yeah, that, definitely. I think that's yep. uh, actually SMC's first start was we build an SOP on how to build SOPs. Um, it definitely helps for current employees, but also yep. the entire onboarding process. Let's go into that a little bit because this episode is going to be really tactical, right? I know we have a resource to share, which if you're listening right now, there'll be instructions later on on how to get that resource. It's actually an SOP template. SMC was generous enough to you know be willing to share that. So stay tuned for that on how to get access to it. But um, how do you actually tactically build SOPs? And in this case, it seems like the most important first SOP to build is going to be how to build SOPs. So why don't we dive into that a little bit? So I think the first thing that's most important is actually the structure of your SOP. And when I talk about structure, I'm talking about length, the different resources that you might want to link to, as well as checklists in your inputs and outputs. And your input's going to kind of be like, what, what's your trigger? What sets off this process in motion? And the reason I want to talk about length first is if you have an SOP that's 45 pages long, hey, I've written a 45 page long SOP. It wasn't helpful. Um, you have someone that when they need to look for information, are you really relying on somebody to actually read through 45 pages to figure out how to do mm. their job? That is, uh, they're going to lose concentration, they're going to lose engagement, and all of your important notes are going to get missed. So length is the biggest one where that kind of ties into your supplemental resources. You want your SOP to be no more than I would say you know, depending on the process, I would say between three to five pages. So anytime that you have steps within your SOP that might be a little bit longer than three to five pages, that's where you want to create things like looms. Maybe you want supplemental information that you can link to so that when someone's reading that SOP, they can go straight to the part of the SOP they need. Um, so I would say like a table of contents that hyperlinks to each section is really important too. So it's like, I don't want to read, you know, even through five pages to figure out what I'm looking for. I want it in the table of contents, one click, it takes me right where I need to go. Wow. So you honestly blew my mind there a little bit because it's such a simple thing, like an obvious truth, but keep the SOP short, makes sense, but use tools like hyperlinks and looms to add that more complex stuff. Meaning if you have a longer SOP or a longer process, it's a little bit more complicated. Something like loom is perfect. You throw in the link. It doesn't make it 45 pages. It's a three to five minute video. That's like step-by-step step of exactly how to do it. What's been your experience with that? Like best practices around that. How do we actually do that and recognize the right time when it's time for a loom or when it's time for a screenshot and so on and so forth? Yeah, for sure. So I would say um, definitely like the time that you need screenshots and keep in mind screenshots. Sometimes it's also good to hyperlink them out too, just in the sense that those are going to, you know, expand that page count. Mm -hmm. But I would say like if you are only halfway through your SOP and you're already hitting like that over five page mark, you've probably been a little bit too wordy and you need to look at, okay, what are the longest sections? And how can I actually visually show somebody how to do that? Got it. Now, when, when you're going through these SOPs, how do you determine what to cut and what to not? Just because something's long, right? You can always make it more concise. But in other words, what are the important integral parts that should be going into an SOP document? I would say that's going to be 
your inputs and your outputs. So starting with your input, um, I also call this the trigger. So when you're going over a step in your SOP, what triggers off that step? Like what is like the, hey, I need to do this now. So then your output is gonna be like, how do you know this step is complete? What does mm -hmm. that look like? And in between, you kind of wanna keep your action items. That's gonna be your checklist of what items need to be checked off, need to be done in order to complete the step to get from input to output. Mm, that's really interesting. Let me ask you this, because I think this is basically what you're saying, but it's an analogy that Gary made back in like, man, I don't know, June or July, like when he first started this show. And what he, what he explained to me about SOPs is the following. He said, look, you have checklists, right, which are kind of like the study guides, and then you have the tests, which is like the SOP itself. SOPs tend to be a little bit longer, a little bit clunkier, but from an SOP, you should be able to derive a checklist, which is three to five steps that anybody can do. Look at that checklist, step one, step two, step three, step four, and then when the SOP comes in, the actual test is, wait, Step one in the checklist, I need to know how to do A, B, C, and D. Let me link back to the SOP. Is that the right breakdown? And if not, what's the right way to look at it? I would say yes. That's definitely the right breakdown. And I was going to get into that later where basically like your process is your actions. Your SOP mm. is your details. So the checklist that would come from the actual process, let's say if you're using like tasks in a project management system, those are going to look a lot different than the checklist within your SOP because those are gonna be like the actual steps that you need to complete the action versus the task that is the action being completed, which I would say is probably what Gary's referring to when he says that mm. three to five checklist afterwards. Got it, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, okay, um, let's dive deeper here, right? Because you know, so far we've kind of touched on the service here, on the surface here rather, and um, what part of a business, right? So like, let's talk SMC for a minute and what you do kind of day to day, right? Um, for, for, for anybody listening, how do you actually write an SP? Like, where do you start? So we're usually where we're SMC started actually is we started back in 2020. We had no SOPs, not a single one. And, you know, things were getting done, but like I said, they probably weren't getting done the best way that they could have. So we, the, we actually went through a whole exercise of let's start creating SOPs. And from there, every, just every process that we had, we started writing those SOPs. And I would say like kind of like the trigger of how to know when to write an SOP is um, when you have someone that's, you're assigning a process or you're assigning essentially any job responsibilities or duties, and they have to ask you questions, how do I do this? Can you show me how to do this? Or you wanna train them how to do it. Anytime you have to do a training, that's a good time to have an SOP. Kayla, why don't we take a minute here and dive into kind of the, the checklist here. So if you had to say somebody, take somebody, me, I've never built an SOP before in my life, right? And the ones I built are garbage, as we've established in this episode so far in the last 10 minutes. Never built an SOP. What's a step-by-step -step checklist or SOP I could use to build SOPs of my own? All right. So let's say... Um... Again, like you have a process, you have something that, hey, I just hired you to do this specific job. I need to train you how to do that specific job. Your step-by-step -step would be, what is the problem that this job is going to solve? What's the why? Why do you need this process? What is it accomplishing? Why is this person hired to do this? That is gonna be the first part of your SOP before you even get into the table of contents, which is the description. Why are you doing this and what problem are you solving? then again, you want to think of what's the trigger? Like, how does this person know that it's time for them to start this process? So that the first trigger is gonna be, let's say, um, 
you know, the processes onboarding a new client. Your trigger would be, hey, when you get a handoff document from the sales team, you know that now I need to start our onboarding process, which is, you know, duplicating mm. a workflow and ClickUp. That's your trigger. What does the output look like? How do you know that it's done? Like the output is, okay, like once I've gotten that handoff, that looks like there's a project created in ClickUp. There is um, the certain tasks are assigned to me. Everything is prepped and I'm ready to reach out to the client. That's going to be your output. And then in between that is like, okay, so your input, you got a handoff. Your output is that the project needs to exist and be prepped and ready to go. So the checklist in between there is going to be, how do I create a project in ClickUp? How do I use that workflow that, you know, you just mentioned, like you, you told me I had to build a workflow. Am I doing it from scratch? Am I using a template? Where do I find that template? Mm. That's going to be your checklist. And it's like, okay, within the workflow, what needs to be assigned to myself and where do I need to store all of the information I've collected? I just collected a handoff document. I just collected a proposal. Where do I put all that? Yeah. That's going to be your checklist into my project is prepped and ready to go. Okay, so let me recap that, right? So number one, your why. Understand, hey, why do we need this document in the first place, right? So okay, we're clear on the why. We understand, hey, we need it because it's going to make this a much more seamless process. It's going to make it really clear that, you know, to your point, to your example, when sales sends over the on the document, we know that, hey, we got to start our onboarding process and this is going to keep all the teams aligned to give a better client experience. Perfect. The second part is the trigger, which I kind of just said, but like basically understanding, okay, what triggers the need for this SOP, right? So like I'm assuming, and I'm sure people will see this in the resources, that's the top, right? Like the top is your why, why is this document here? And the trigger, like, hey, you should be reading this if A, B, C, and D's happen. Like this is why you're here. Is that correct so far? Yes. Perfect. But uh, I would say each, depending on what kind of process you have, you know, you could have something that has 10 steps, maybe only have two steps. You could even have one step. So I would say every time that you have a specific step, it's going to ha need to have its own trigger. Oh, really? So, but, but let me ask you this. This might be really detailed, but I think those listening might have this question. What if the trigger is literally the step before it? Then I would say that's your trigger. <laughs> so just duplicate it. Yes. Got it. Um, so you... but, but as briefly as possible, like say like your trigger could just be when step two is completed, now you've started this step got it because so that's going to that be a way sense. to ensure yeah to ensure that, that people sense. aren't skipping things that makes a lot more sense okay perfect and then the last thing here you mentioned was the output you got to make it clear right that hey this is the why this is the trigger but like this is what it looks like when it's complete like you finished it this is the ideal outlook or the ideal product the ideal output that is and that's how you know that it's complete right yes perfect awesome honestly so far I'm, it's a lot of obvious truths, right? Because as a business owner and for a lot of our audience listening, it, it's like we know we need to do this, but it's so difficult for us because it's just so tedious and there's so much involved into it. And a big part of it for me is I have spent hours Googling how to build SOPs. I keep all of it in my head, right? All of it's in my head all the time. And so, so far, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, let's get a little bit more general here in terms of just best practices. Like how do you manage and store SOPs? Like what's the best tools to use? What's the best programs to use? Like how does somebody who actually wants to build one, now that they have this technical framework, how do they actually do it? Yeah, I would say that's definitely organization is probably the biggest thing of SOPs because you could sit there, you could write SOPs mm. all day long. You could have an SOP for everything, which sometimes, you know, you might need an SOP for everything. But if you end up having 100 SOPs, if the team can't easily find the SOP that they're looking for within that 100, it's not useful. 
because mm. they're going to get frustrated. They're Again, they're not going to be engaged. They're going to give up looking for it. They're going to try to go off memory and things are going to get missed. Mm. So I would say um, what we do is we do use Google Docs um, to write our SOPs. And then kind of the ways that we store from an organization standpoint is actually having a shared Google Drive so that our SOPs are uh, organized, like we have a specific folder for SOPs. They're organized by department and then even specific processes if there's multiple SOPs per a process because there might be many processes within them. So that mm. might take you a few clicks to get there, but click, click, here's the SOP I was looking for versus what was the name of that SOP again? Let me keep typing that into the search bar and hoping it comes up and going through pages and pages and pages to find them. And I'll be honest, I'm not gonna say that using a shared Google Drive is the best way to organize your SOPs. Um, if you guys have better recommendations, I'm also open to that because I, I could use the help. <laughs> now, yeah, I, I, so many things around SOPs, like you do a Google search and, and I'm sure you know way better than me. Everybody has their own best practices, but like that's why I was really excited to dive into what you guys do behind the scenes at SMC, uh, because a lot of people they just need something. Like you got to start somewhere to eventually iterate for you know what works for you, uh, and it, this has been tremendously valuable. So the last main point that I really want to touch on, because we've basically covered how to start an SOP, the importance of an SOP, why you need an SOP, what not to do when building SOPs. You've even covered like the tactical, like hey, use these tools. This is what works for us: Google Docs, Google Drive. What about managing an SOP? So you've done all this. You've listened to this episode the last 20 minutes. You've followed the steps. You've taken advantage of the template that we know we'll be able to provide the audience and the listeners. How do you actually manage it and oversee that it's being done properly? So we actually do have a position at our company. Um, her name's Lauren. She is amazing. We call her the training queen. We call her the SOP queen because she's basically... Uh, the person, she, you know, she works in our HR department and part of her position is making sure that training is up to date, that SOPs are properly stored. So mm. funny, we have an SOP and a process in place of if you write a new <laughs> SOP, you have to let Lauren know about it because then she can upload it to the correct place. She can make that mm. it ha make sure it has the correct audience because we use um, Google Drive for storage, but we also uh upload the SOPs to a program called Trainual because mm -hmm. then you can actually assign them to people and make sure that they've read it and completed it. So you kind of have that accountability there too. And what we do is every SOP has a clear owner and we try to avoid shared ownership so that mm. when updates are needed, like Lauren can do an audit and say, hey, I've noticed that this onboarding SOP hasn't been updated in you know a year and a half. Caitlin, I know your process has changed I'm sending you an action item that you need to read this SOP, you need to update it, and this is your due date. Ownership. That's huge. Like, I didn't even think about that. Like, that, that's so big. It's so simple, but that solves it all. Like, if you give somebody ownership over the SOP, it's like their baby. They know, like, hey, I need to, it's time to update this. That's so big. That, that's so, so big. Now, let me ask this. When ownership changes, how does that happen? Or, and, you know, one thing you mentioned is shared ownership. You, you said we don't like to do that. We like to avoid it. But in those situations where that's not an option, where it's like multiple people are responsible for a process, how do you guys make that work efficiently and properly? So if multiple people are like assigned to a process or, or a part of that process, you want, you want to get away from shared ownership. You want to have the one person that, hey, yes, you're going to work, you know, I'm going to call them A, B, and C. So mm -hmm. B is the SOP owner. Yeah, you work with A and C, you know, to make sure that the process is up to date. But B, you are in charge of making sure that everything you guys talk about, everything that you guys change and decide together 
you need to be the one that updates the SOP. When we do like every quarter, we try to go review our SOPs again. B, you're the one that's updating it. You need at whatever meetings you need to have with A and C, go for it. But you're the one that's going to be in charge and owning that SOP. And usually you want to get um, buy-in from B. Like you don't want to just volunteer mm. them. You want them to be excited, like you said, about making that their baby. You want to give them that option so that they'll take it on and they have more of an attachment to keeping it up to date. Mm, got it. That makes a lot of sense. In other words, it's shared ownership, but still one person's responsible for making the changes. So while you might need to communicate, which is a given, right? And in the company and a team with the other people, like, hey, I think this needs to be done. One person is solely responsible for updating and fixing it. That way you guys can track and know like, hey, this was never fixed. This was never updated. Here's why. Oh, wait, no, Caitlin, you were responsible for this, right? Yes. Yeah, because uh, if you have three people, you can kind of like yep. kick the can down the road. Like, oh, I didn't yep. update it because they didn't update it. Yep, yep. You can just pass blame. No, I'm, I'm super familiar with that. I'm sure everybody listening and watching is, of course, as well. Listen, last question for you here, and then we'll kind of go into anything that you else you might want to bring up, right? What's like the most common mistakes you see people make when it comes to SOPs? The most common mistakes? Um to be honest, I would say when you have a subject matter expert writing an SOP, the biggest mistake I see is that they're writing it from a place of familiarity. I've done this process a hundred times. I know it like the back of my hand. That's how they write it. But you have to remember mm. this SOP is for new employees that you're onboarding, or it's just to ensure everything about the process. So if you write it like you know it by the back of your hand, you're missing the really small key points that that new person needs to learn. So it's like you need to write that SOP from the perspective of I'm talking to someone that's never done this process before, and I need to put myself in those shoes of being as clear and direct as possible. And Derek, I think one of the most important things that we probably need to cover is process integration. So that is going to be, you know, I did talk about organization. How do you easily find an SOP when you're looking for it? But process integration is basically how you're going to get that SOP in front of people at the moment they need it so that they don't have to make that decision of whether or not I need it. So one of the things that we do is uh, we do use ClickUp, which is a uh, project management system. And what I love about ClickUp is you can build templates for tasks, you can build templates for workflows. And what we do is that, like I talked about before, your process is your action. Your SOP is your detail. So whenever we're using templates, you can actually link your SOP right at the top of a task template or a workflow template. And remember when I talked about the structure and having that table of contents? So that if you have multiple steps and a task is a different step within that, you can actually use the hyperlinks from your table of contents if you're, if you're using Google Docs to link that specific step right there. So it's like, hey, I know that this is the three to five actions that I need you know, to assign to a team or that I myself need to complete as a task. And if I forget, you know, why, how did I get here? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? That SOP is linked right there at the very top. I can just click mm. that, refresh myself, and we're good to go. Well, that's awesome. So in other words, whenever a new process is needed or just anything is needed to do, you never want a situation where you're not sure why you're doing it. So at that table of contents, there should always be something that explains the why, but going a little bit deeper, even another hyperlink to another SOP of like, hey, here's how you got to this step as a refresher of like, hey, here's like how we got here and how we're going to continue going down the process. Is that correct? Yeah. Um. So I would say par partially. So um, like I definitely have like, you know, 
for onboarding, there's probably 20 tasks that need to be sent mm. out and assigned. If I put all of those 20 tasks in my SOP, that's that's a 45 page SOP that no one's going to read. So we mm. have each step. And then if you need more detail on that task, that's where you have your supplemental resource that you're going out to of like, how do I prep this specific task? And then mm. also within the workflow itself is again, like instead of relying on someone to remember that we have an SOP or I need to go look for the SOP, you can link your SOPs right into your templates, like your task templates so that, hey, when I'm tasking this out, I wanna make my, I wanna make sure like my I's are dotted, my T's are crossed. Mm. Let me just recheck that SOP, it's right there. I There's no reason why I shouldn't click that link. <laughs> It's the little things. It's the little things. I, I mean, let me just put that into a, a bigger perspective for those listening. It's basically what you just described is how to ensure there's no holes in your systems at all. Because like you spend all this time building the systems and I'm guilty of this. In fact, I literally just had this happen. I had a pretty rough team meeting the last few weeks and I was like, I made a system for this. Like I made a checklist. I made a timesheet. I made like a step-by-step. -step, here's the first five minutes. Here's the first 10 minutes. Here's a notes sheet. And I didn't use it. And I realized like, I didn't use it because I didn't make it easily accessible. And like every time I have a team meeting, it wasn't in front of me. You just solved that problem. You're like, put it in front of you. Like never have the situation where you don't have that SOP in front of you. So when you have a task to do and there's processes associated with it, they shouldn't be difficult to find that integration. It shouldn't be difficult to find the SOP. It should be right there in front of you. Yeah, 100% because uh, one of our core values at SMC is resourcefulness, which, okay, yeah, people can be resourceful. But are you going to keep relying on them to be resourceful if you don't help being resourceful be easy? Mm, mm. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. Definitely not. I have had to learn that the hard way many, many times. Uh, for those still here with us, it's been a very technical episode and a super valuable one. Gary and I have been talking about SOPs for a while. We've kind of beaten around the bush a little bit, for lack of a better way to phrase that. And uh, th this episode really let us get technical. So I really want to thank you for your time for jumping on here, Caitlin. Uh, and, and, you know, where can people find you? Where, where can they go if they want to reach out? So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Caitlin Alber. Um, I don't know if my name will be on the screen, but it you, will be, you know, it will in, be. The, in the description. <laughs> and no, uh, it definitely will be, and it'll definitely be linked in the description. And guys, before we go here, we promised you a resource. To get the resource, go to Instagram, go to the Gary Bird. Here's this page right here and shoot him a DM. Tell him you're coming from the episode with Caitlin and you want to get that free SOP resource. When I say you're going to want this, trust me, you're going to want it. It's a literal template on an SOP that you can plug and play that SMC uses. Might as well steal secrets from the best if they're giving them out for free. So go to Gary Bird on the Instagram pages right here. Shoot him a DM. Tell him you're coming from the episode with Caitlin and that you want the free resource. Him and his team are going to send that over to you. So Caitlin, thank you so much for your time. This was a great, great episode. I think it provided a ton of value. I know it helped me a ton. And I hope that it helped those watching and listening. Is there anything else you want to add? I think that about covers it, but thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, until next time.